Hello everyone, I'm Lauren and that's Carla. Hello! And this is Chirping with Avia Owl, Season 3, Episode 6. Yay! Disclaimer, just at the beginning of our podcast, we like to um, just explain that these are our thoughts and experiences and we aren't claiming, claiming, claiming to know everything. Um, we're only speaking from our empirical practice and experience and we just really love sharing um, these things with you guys. Anything discussed from the previous podcast? I don't have anything. Lauren? I don't have anything, Carla. I can't really remember. So, nope. Nope from me. All right. So, everyone, please feel free to communicate any topics you'd be interested in or questions you might have. You can email us on um, aba.owls.uk at gmail.com. You can contact us through our website www.abaowls.com on Instagram at aba underscore owls or on Facebook at abaowls. Okay, topic for today is teach and that's with two C's. Why we chose the topic? Well, so I don't know if you noticed, Lauren and I changed the structure a little bit. You probably didn't notice, I don't know. Maybe you did, I don't know. Um... And we each get to lead an episode, so we choose the topic and we run the whole episode, whereas with other episodes we split it, so half and half. So this is my episode, so I chose Teach. And the main reason was because it kept popping up in school reports, in EHCPs, yada yada yada, and I just didn't know what it was. I I was like, okay, what is this, what is this? So, And I'm very into knowing things. I can't comment, I can't make an informed opinion or decision if I don't know what something is. So this is me trying to figure it out. All right, Lauren, are you sitting comfortably? Because this, I hope, hopefully won't take a while, but are you comfortable? I am indeedy. Great. Okay, let's get started. Let's start with origins. So the structure I've made is a little bit different. So let's go with origins. Let's, let's go. So TEACH stands for Treatment and Education of Autistic and Related Communication and Handicapped Children. And we are aware the acronym and the words don't really match up the order, but it's the information I found online. And just for everyone's reference, I'm going to talk about information I've learned from the official TEACH website, the National Autistic Society, and other websites that we will reference at the end. Originally, TEACH was a child research project founded by, and this is hard for me to say, but I'll try, Dr. Eric Schopler. I think it's Schopler, because there's an S, I guess the S might be silent. Schopler. If it's not, I'm sorry, Dr. Eric. To provide services to children on on the autism spectrum and their families in the University of North Carolina. So... This was a division started in 1966 as part of the Department of Psychiatry of the School of Medicine in the University of North Carolina. But then later in 1972, the legislation was approved by the North Carolina General Assembly, and this allowed TEACH to become, and I quote, the first comprehensive statewide community-based program of services for autistic children and adults with other similar similar developed conditions and other similar developmental disorders. And this is quoted from the National Autistic Society's website. So, you can go to the TEACH website and find more about their values, objectives, etc. But I think the real question I've been asking myself is, what exactly is teach? What is it? What do they do? Um, I'm not sure if any of you have come across the term. 
I mentioned I have come come across a, a term. Have you, Lauren? I have actually, um, and um, I have come across teach, but unfortunately, my experiences haven't haven't been very positive. Um, and lots of the students that tend to move to our school, across to our school, or transfer, um, I, I had worked with previously had been educated in teach, and I mean honestly, I'm not sure what the students were learning. Um, so I'm really hoping that you'll change my mind. Um, like you know, when I did my research into PICS. so I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. Thanks, Carla. Okay, so I've seen it in EHCPs, like I mentioned online people have mentioned it to me etc but and again like I said I've never commented on it because I wasn't sure of what it is exactly so I've changed the WS those I've changed the WH question structure that we usually use I've changed it slightly just to accommodate the information I'll cover so we're gonna do what and how together so what is it and how it relates it relates to ABA or how can we relate it to ABA. The official Teach website offers training, which I'm very tempted to attend, to be honest. I just need to see the prices. But but I wanted to see how much I can understand from the information provided on the actual website. So on the website, uh, in, the, in the Teach resources sections, there are several subsections to the left. So I'm just going to discuss them a little bit and how I relate them to ABA. So they have something called tips, and they have several suggestions on how to support people in different life areas. So, for example, choice making. They mention visual timetables for choice making, and they say when making a visual choice, it can be helpful to balance less preferred activities, such as homework or chores, with fun activities for choice making. And this is something we use a lot in ABA. The you know, the balancing the, of the less preferred to the high, highly preferred activities. And we also use preferred activities to motivate the learner to engage in the less preferred activities, you know. So we make the highly preferred so desirable that we can get the learner to do, you know, their homework, for example, to get access to the highly preferred. So one of the pictures they have in this uh, choice section shows a spaghetti dish and a taco dish. And the learner is asked to choose which one they would like to eat. So, you know, choice. In ABA, we would call it a forced choice, when there's a limited and predetermined number of options to choose from. They also have tips on how to increase engagement and helping children express their feelings. From reading these two tips, I can already see a lot of ABA procedures, for example, using the natural environment to teach motor skills, using motivation, using matching, etc. And just to make it clear right now, I'm not saying teach is the same as ABA, I'm just saying that the methods used seem very similar, but they just have different names or are being described a little bit differently. And then assessments. I went to this assessment uh, page because I'm, you know, I'm nosy, and so I had a look at what they use, and I was able to access a few samples of the ABAS ABAS assessment, so the Adaptive Behavior Assessment System, and they cover areas such as communication, functional pre-academic skills, leisure, home and school living, etc. And I couldn't see each individual assessment criteria, I'd have to buy the book for that, but the description reminded me a lot of the type of assessments AFOLs might cover, for example. 
Yeah, it is very interesting. Um, I mean, it would be really good to look into the assessments to see if there's any correlations or overlaps, like you mentioned. Um, that's, yeah, really, really quite interesting. Thanks, Carla. Yeah, I know what you mean with the overlaps. Yeah, definitely. And now, where is Teach? Okay. <laughs> when I started researching Teach, there were a lot of website, websites mentioning it. So it's fair to say that Teach is popular in a lot of countries. So it's, it's everywhere. There's a platform that's very often used in the UK with, uh, called Twinkle like for resources and stuff. So he has a lot of teaching resources for different ages and topics, and he has a lot of materials. And they also have a section for teach. And a particular sentence on their website caught my attention, and it said, teach is not a single method. It can be used alongside other approaches. And I found this really interesting, because I've come across teach in UK schools, and it's usually seen as an approach not compatible with ABA. But from what I've seen so far, you know, from reading stuff, it seems to be very compatible. Yeah, I'm not sure about being compatible. I know a few organizations that use both teach and ABA principles, and I'm not sure how they work together. I am quite motivated to find out how they might work, make, work together. So, you know, watch the space. Let's see what happens. How does teach differ from ABA? Okay, so I can't say this conclusively because I haven't attended a teach training. The difficulty I had in my quest for information was understanding the actual procedures used. Whereas with ABA, I can type ABA procedures and immediately I get mentions of positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, etc. When I Google teach procedures, what I get are the principles of teach. So I'm going I'm going to go through the principles of teach as I found them online, but this also proved to be complicated because some sources mention four principles, others mention five principles and even six principles. And the order might also change slightly depending on the website, which is fine, obviously. I'm going to cover six based on information I found. Organiza first, organization of the physical environment, so the physical structure. This relates to creating designated areas for teaching, for group teaching, playing, etc. So far, sounds good. It's also mentioned that they keep to keep the surrounding environment a distraction-free area to prevent sensory overload. And this is where we start to part ways a little bit. Yes, some learners will be more easily distracted than others, fair enough, but avoiding distractions altogether doesn't seem feasible to me. You know, I mean, isn't it not best to teach our learners how to cope with the distractions around them and still be able to learn? So I have no idea if teach accommodates for that, like for this gradual tolerance of distractions, but I couldn't find enough information about it. Maybe I need to attend a training to know this. But personally, I do think that it's one, it's impossible to have a completely free, distraction-free environment. Two, I think it's always best to get them used to distractions. Like people will scream, something sudden will occur, yada yada. Like it said, there's so many things that can happen. So I think it's best to try. Even like you don't have to do everything at the same time. You can build in the distraction, but it's just getting them used to those distractions. I think I personally think that's really important. So secondly, predictable sequence of activities and scheduling. For this section, it's emphasized that knowing what your day will look like can reduce anxiety. But how how would you teach the tolerance to the changes in routine under the teach method? Is it 
done at all. Like, I think further on they mention, yeah, they teach flexibility and change, but, like, how? That's, that's what I'm struggling with. How? How? Because, like, oh, you teach, okay, but what are the exact procedures? I still, again, again, maybe I need to go to the training, but, like, I still don't understand what the procedures are. You know, like these are guidelines, they're not procedures. So then visual schedules. This one has become very popular, even in ABA. You know, I do use a visual schedule myself, but it's in the form of of a checklist. Like visual schedules don't have to be just pictures, they can be written. I think the word visual does make a lot of people assume that it's that for it to be visual it has to be a picture. For example, on the Twinkle website's written timetables are often made using Velcro. On other websites, the teach approach mentions, you know, to-do lists and amongst others. So they don't specify what should be used. You know, they don't say it has to be a picture. So one important aspect to consider is not every learner is ready for a visual schedule. They're not. And different learners require different types of visual schedules. If you told me I had to use a picture visual time schedule, I would hit you. I, I really would, uh, whereas my list suffices me enough and it's easier to make. Anyway, okay, here we go, routines and flexibility. So I mentioned just earlier, like, if they do, because te- I was wondering if they taught the flexibility, which they do, apparently, but it doesn't say how. It says one of the websites had this as a principle, which I found very important, Um and it's good to have routines, but it's, you know, it's equally vital to teach people that sometimes our plans fail. And we need to know how to manage those changes. And again, I don't know how this is done by teach. I can tell you how this is done by ABA. I can't tell you. Like, again, haven't been to the training. Maybe the training does explain it. Structure work and activity systems. So this principle, as I understand it, relates to helping the learner understand what is asked of them. What is the activity, how long it should take, and what happens after it's been concluded. Visual activity. So this area encourages the learner to physically interact with the activity. To quote one of the websites, if the child can't touch, see, or hold the activity, he or she will likely not engage in the activity, nor find it engaging enough for him or her to give attention. So this kind of touches the motivation area of ABA, uh, the concepts and, you know, practical. but we'd, we'd use this type of approach to learners with lower skills. And when I say lower skills, it's not in a derogatory way. I simply can't think of another way to describe it. Okay, I, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, I had a 16-year-old learner that couldn't identify, he couldn't find, and he couldn't ask for a spoon. But he used a spoon every single day of his life. I mean, Lauren, help me. What what would we say? Um... I I might say a learner who have who might have fewer skills, or a learner who is gradually gaining some skills. You know, I mean, I think it can be. It's a difficult one because I think sometimes, you know, we get so hung up on terms that we're not actually focusing on, on the individual. Okay, but that's a, that's a very long thing to say. I'm just meaning a short word for it, but okay. Um, so most advanced, more advanced learners would probably not need to rely on visual time activities, visual activities all the time. I mean, it's interesting that you say that, Carla, because I have recently put in a visual prompt schedule or a visual 
timetable, should you say, from one of my clients and who is advanced in most skill areas. Um, so what was happening is that his team would verbally prompt him or provide him with instructions to get ready to leave the house, which took about 15 to 20 minutes. But he would forget some items and he required multiple verbal prompts each time. And what I learned from this is that the verbal prompt or the instruction wasn't functioning as a prompt as it wasn't reliably evoking the behavior of collecting all the items he needed for the outing. So, and he was needing many prompts. So it wasn't helping the behavior. It wasn't improving their behavior. So we created a visual schedule of his items needed. Um, and now he completes the task within five minutes and is ready to leave the house without any support. Um, and in the past, we, you know, we'd be say, get ready, we're leaving at 9.25 a.m. Um, but now, you know, just we're ready. So I'm very pleased with this as he's more independent with the task and he doesn't require any additional support from the team. And I think the team really understood that the prompt we were providing wasn't the right prompt. All right. What kind of visual prompt? Pictures, a list... It was actually quite cool. It kind of came about as a bit of a hodgepodge, really. Um, so we got him to take photos of the items he needed. So we provided what they were. Um, and he wrote the name over the item on his iPad. Um, so it's kind of a blend of pictures and more well, photos of his items and words that he's written. Um and he does them in a certain order and they're positioned on the laminated sheet in the order which works for him so he can move them around. And what he does is when he's collected the item, he removes it from the one strip into the next one. Um, and what we've noticed is literally he doesn't need any support um, from us. And I think it's been really powerful to see how independent he can be. And yes, it's kind of seen as a, seen as a visual schedule. Um, his reading skills aren't as strong. Um, they are getting better. But um, I'm hoping that the photos combined with the, the words will slowly associate and become stronger so he'll be able to read those items. And he'll probably be fluent. He probably won't need the list anymore for a while. All right, cool. That's That's good to hear. Thank you for sharing. Sharing is caring. Um, and now on to the research. So before end thoughts, this is the last bit. So really short episode, guys. So the official Teach website also has a research section referencing some studies and projects using the Teach method. And to make it clear, I haven't read any studies on Teach nor Teach with ABA. I will in the future, but life is busy, you know. So... There are a lot of studies on Google Scholar for everyone to access, but I did read a summarized review on Teach in a web, an ABA website, and it said, although the Teach method is based on scientific research and documented studies, there are several potential limitations. The existing research studies of the Teach program show that no harm is done, but struggle to isolate statistical correlations. Dot, dot, dot. Most researchers feel that while more research is needed, Teach is a widely successful program that offers potential benefits. And the website that wrote this is called AppliedBehaviorAnalysisPrograms.com. So A P P L I E D B E H A V I O R A N A L Y S I S P R O G R A M S dot com. 
sounds like a song, sorry. Um, so it's not dismissing teach, it's simply commenting that there might be some, you know, some work to be done when it comes to internal validity, potentially. Maybe external, I don't know, but it sounds like a <coughs> sounds more like an internal validity issue to me. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. Like, I mean, there was I know a bit more about teach now, but I also had very limited information to work from. So I guess I think I think I want to do the course because I do want to learn a bit more about it. So Lauren, do you want to give us your end thoughts, and then I'll do mine. Sure. Thanks. Um. Thank you very much, Carla. I, I really enjoyed listening to this, and I think you've helped me understand a little bit more of Teach. I mean, it is widely used within the same, you know, the SEN um, school community in the UK. And as I mentioned before, I have personally supported many students who came to our school who previously used Teach method. And you know, I actually have a colleague who's um, worked in the field of well, he calls it behavioral therapy. Um, he's a clinical psychologist, but he's told me that. Um, He's very, very fond of teach and has been working with, you know, with ABA and associated um, methods for many, many years. So maybe after you've done the course, I will do some follow up for more information from him and we can see where this goes. Because I do think that we need, I feel like we need to know more. So I'm really grateful that you've created the foundation for us and let's see where this, you know, road takes us. You know, actually, thank you, but, like, you're welcome, but it, it's, it's, it's the same way I felt about PECS, like, it's terribly misused, isn't it, and before I understood PECS, I thought it was weird and ineffective, but I've come to realize that the issue is people not using it appropriately, and I think this is the same thing with teach, and a lot of the comments I hear in schools are, we are not an ABA school, but they use the teach methods, and even PECS, and if you're using those, supposedly you should have training on them. And it's the same with ABA, so you could also have ABA training. But the feeling I get is that a lot of professionals in education, at least in the UK, receive a very diluted training for those approaches. And that results in, I'm going to say, a close-minded way of teaching children. Because it is. It is because you've decided that I know this, I know enough about this, I can't listen to other methods. And, you know, it becomes all about we only use this way, when in reality all of these approaches can be mixed. All right, and for the website. So we'll put it on the blurb, but these are some of the resources I use in my research. Um, www.autism.org.uk slash what hyphen we hyphen do slash professional hyphen development slash the hyphen teach hyphen approach and that's teach with two c's we also used the official website so teach.com teach.com uh, twinkle so www dot so twinkle is t w i n k l dot co dot uk slash teaching hyphen wiki slash teach and again teach with two c's and we also use www.appliedbehavioranalysisprograms.com slash faq slash what 
hyphen is hyphen the hyphen teach hyphen method. You can tell I love saying the websites out loud, don't you? Well, we'll put on the blurb anyway. And please feel free to email us on aba.owls.uk at gmail.com or you can message us on Instagram. We are at aba underscore owls. If you have any particular topics you'd like us to discuss or any questions you want to ask us, we really do love hearing from you. So please get hold of us. Yeah, exactly. Let us know what you think. Okay, so the Hood Chronicles will be out in two weeks' time. That's on the 20th of March. And the next Owls will be out on Monday the 3rd of April. If you have a moment, please rate, like, and subscribe to us. To us, We heard it, that it helps us get more listeners. We are ABA Owls on Instant Facebook and Chirping with ABA Owls on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and on other platforms you might listen to. And thank you again for listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye.